ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages. The Association of Common Sense Masculinity is proud to present the exciting, the thought-provoking Can-Am Soup, an entertaining, genuine, and often meandering conversation between two friends. And now, the stars of our show, Jeremy Gertz and Todd Fuss. Hey, Todd, how you doing, buddy? Good, how are you? Oh, I'm doing all right. Really, just uh, level, you know? No, nothing bad happening, nothing good happening, just, just drifting through. Yourself? Eh, you know, um, my back got worse, so I've been doing oh, nothing. No. We had no, company three days this week, so. Oh, well. Huh. That's too bad. Any, uh, like any update from doctors or anything like that? Or is it kind of waiting or? Uh, well, you know, one thing, the most likely cause of my liver disease is Wilson's disease. What's that? So the disease that affects the way your body metabolizes copper. Oh, yes. I remember you mentioned that before, didn't you? Yeah, and I didn't think I was going to have it. And uh, last week, the uh, GI doctor called back and said, yeah, I'm pretty sure you have it. Huh. But we got two more tests to, ju- to you know, uh, verify it. But she's so- calling it Wilson's right now. Hmm. And then that copper, like what's the source of that copper? Just what we intake or food. Yeah, yeah. I didn't know there's a... Uh, I guess, so if you had copper pipes in your house, would that make a difference? That can make it worse. Yeah, okay. If you have certain minerals in your water that leach copper out of the pipes. Oh, okay. And then, like, cooking in copper pots and stuff probably would could make it worse, too. Only if, again, what you're... Cooking in it is going to leach the ah, copper out. Okay, gotcha. This copper gotcha. is generally a benign element, mm. but like uh, if you have a lot of uh, like shale in your water, okay, yep. that can leach copper out. Ah, uh, gotcha. Huh. So how how when do you find out for sure? Like a the, the couple more tests about, and then see if it is well. Yeah, I have disease? a. There's an eye exam because if you have uh, Wilson's disease, your eye will have green rings in the back. Really? Uh, yeah. Awesome. And uh, and then a genetic test. Okay. So if you do have Wilson's, then. Next St. Patrick's Day, you can tell people not to pinch you because you've got green on behind your eyes. Well, depending on where they want to pinch me. <laughs> my, um, my little guy thinks it's the funniest thing on earth. And I knew when I got up yesterday, he's going to come pinch me. And like, just like having a coffee, getting dressed. He's like, knock, knock, knock. He's like, who is it? Foster, what do you want? Can I come in? I'm like, no, I'm getting dressed. And I'm like, he's just gonna pinch me. So I was like, I don't, I don't wear green ever. So I had an ugly Christmas sweater, 
And I put that on and I walked out and he just looked at me and goes, Dad! And started laughing. I was like, can't, can't pinch me, kid. <laughs> but of course I couldn't wear that all day long, so yeah, he got his pinch in. But... So I have wore no green. I haven't no. cared about St. Patty's Day and I don't know, ever. No, I haven't either. And then this year he decides he's going to pinch everybody. He's talking about it the day before. He's like, I'm pinching anybody who's not wearing green. And like sometimes my eyes are green. Does that count? But yeah, it's, it's uh, I don't know. It's funny because you kind of look into the real story. And I haven't done too much of it of St. Patrick's Day, and it's like, oh, it's actually a really neat story, you know. And then of course, it, you know, people have to turn it into just a drunken debauchery. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> whatever. Yeah, drink green beer until you puke in the gutter. Yeah, no, St. Patty would be so proud. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I've never had green beer. I can't say I've ever tried that stuff before. But what ifs? <clears throat> so yeah, where the green food coloring has to be good for you. Yeah, no kidding. The food coloring, coloring in general is just, it bothers me. I don't know. I remember as a kid sometimes we'd take things like, you, you know, like even just salary. You stick a piece of salary inside the, it's had a water with red food coloring, and it's now you got these red veins in the celery, and it's like that's disgusting. <laughs> it's like eat it, gross. What's the weather been like there for you guys? Uh, it was well, we had four inches of snow. Wow, that's crazy! On Friday night, Saturday morning, and I. By Sunday morning, 24 hours later, it was gone. Huh. Four inches of snow gone in 24 hours. That's crazy. And then uh, it was 60 degrees and then 65 degrees. It didn't rain yesterday. Hmm. Right on. We're having some phenomenal weather right now. I, I honestly think winter's over for us. I mean, maybe I say that and then it'll come back, but... We're like, I don't know, I think every day is like 10 to 13 Celsius. I don't know what that is, Fahrenheit. Let me check this. That's like 50 degrees. 50 to 60 is what we're at. So that's pretty nice. Yeah, that's not bad at all. No. And, um, you know, normally, like this land that we have is kind of weird land and... um it has like these, all these low soil. It's never been graded. It's never, you know, this is literally just prairie soil and we kind of plopped a house on it. Um, usually in the spring when we get out the melt happening, we've got big puddles everywhere and they kind of have a couple on either sides of our driveway. And then once, if it melts too hard, it kind of floods across the driveway. So I have this little electric pump and I plug it in and a little giant pump. I don't know how many gallons a minute, but I usually take a day or two and wander around with my rubber boots and, you know, plop this little pump and I hook up a bunch of garden hose and I just send it to the back pasture. And, uh, man, I, I started doing it this year and I only, I only had to spend like two hours out there moving this pump around. Some, some years I'll spend days, like it'll be like a week 
long or even if it gets cold in the middle i'll have to wait for a few more like it can be like up to two weeks because we have so much snow but we had so little snow this year it's crazy like man it just the spring thaw was like two days we had snow everywhere and all of a sudden the snow's gone and all the puddles are gone and now the you know the gravel start to firm up and get hard again it's so crazy um do you do you ever read the farmer's almanac yeah i have two copies it's crazy how accurate it is isn't it it's terrifying (laughs) when i was growing up it was really accurate then it fell off in the 90s a little bit okay or late 90s early 2000s and then i didn't you know pay attention to it at all until we moved here it's been accurate since we've been here yeah because we looked it up like from november and for this area and and so I, I I don't know. Every now and then I'm like, I wonder what they say. And they have nailed our winter spot on. Even they said there's going to be a cold spell like a December, January, but then and it it's crazy. It's it's always accurate. And I I guess it's just historical data. It kind of makes sense that they could be right. If you go back and look at weather patterns, it would help you come up with what could happen in the future. But good news is that we're supposed to get a lot of rain over this summer. And it's supposed to be cooler than normal because I'm like, last year was so dry here everywhere. And then with no snow, like I bet our total accumulation, we may have had a foot this year. And that's being optimistic. Like never did we have more than like four inches on the ground. It only snowed a few times, you know? And so I'm like, great. Now we're just going to live in a dust bowl again this year. But according to the Farmer's Almanac, things might not be so bad. (sighs) <sighs> I haven't, well, I can uh, make it up, but and it can rain every day in May. Yeah. <laughs> no kidding, Nate. Yep, yep, yep. Do you haven't been working on any uh, projects or anything like that this week? I haven't been able to do anything. Nah, that sucks, eh? Yeah, I'm... If you saw me walk or try to walk, you're like... Oh, you're 50, not 150. Oh, dear. That's too bad. That sucks. Do you use walking aids at all? Yeah, I have to when I get this bad. Yeah. Oh, man. Well, in that case, you've been watching uh, any good YouTube? There hasn't been any. <laughs> sucks. Last two <laughs> weeks have been like a desert island. Huh. That's too bad. I, I know I, I kind of look for things like <clears throat> Wednesdays we take the kids to their youth group and, you know, we drop them off, we go to Costco, and everything's shut down so early now. Like, stores aren't open till 9 o'clock anymore. And so usually by 8 o'clock we're back in the church parking lot waiting. And so what I do is uh, Wednesday after supper I go through YouTube and I download to our phone anything I might be interested. That way I don't have to use my cellular data you know because i've got limited usage for that but man it's getting harder and harder to find things and i only need like it's like usually we're sitting there for about 15 20 minutes right and i'll bring a motorbike magazine but sometimes they get boring and so i'm like okay just i just need one 10 minute video and it's like not interested not interested not interested (laughs) come on man where's the videos again you know it's like youtube's in a recession (laughs) maybe it is maybe all the good channels just get canceled who knows? Yeah, I, I don't know. <clears throat> just 
Because they're still, the ones I watch are still there. They're just not putting out. Yeah. Because not getting paid. <laughs> Who knows? Yeah, that's not what it, not what it's about, man. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Yeah. It never starts that way, I don't think. You know, like you start a YouTube channel because it's fun. I mean, I man, every time I go to make a video, I'm always like, okay, is this worth my time now? You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. It, it, in a certain sense, it sounds bad, but at the same time, it it's the only logical thing to do. Everything I do, I go, okay, is this worth my time? Okay, if I make this video, I'm going to make this much money. Oh, I can make more money doing this? Well, then I'm going to do this. Because if this isn't my free recreational time, if this isn't me like tinkering on, on motorbikes or bicycles or going for a bike ride, then I got to see what's going to pay me more. And that's the thing I'm going to do, you know? <laughs> so it's like, people are like, man, I wish you made more videos. It's like, yeah, I wish they paid me for my videos. Because when I add up what I make per hour doing YouTube, man, I'd like you to push three bucks an hour, you know? <laughs> it's, it's terrible. And it's kind of whatever, you know? I've got a big collection there, and so it's a nice little, even when I don't make anything, it still just, you know, pumps out a little money here and there. It's like a little a little part-time job, and I don't have to, and as long as that keeps doing that, cool, but the strong desire to go ahead and make videos for people, especially when I'm bored, like I can't, I can't make more night videos, how boring would that be, you know? But, oh, the YouTube. Um, and then you see a lot, like you say, like the, the people that you like watching, I like watching, they make less and less content. I always wonder, it's like, is this like the slowdown of YouTube? Like, you know, is this the, the beginning of the end for it? And I don't really think so, but I always wonder that I'm like, it's going to end someday. Eventually might, might be 10 years, might be a hundred years, but I don't know. Maybe yeah, I would understand if some of the vid the YouTubers I watch were th from the last two years that, you know, they had to stay out of work and then they started a YouTube channel and now they're back to work. I can understand that. Yeah. None of the people I follow fall into that category. Yeah. Most of the people I watch, YouTube is their job. And I'm like, yeah, well, you know, you got to go to work if you got a job. Yeah. I, and I agree with that. Like if, if you literally can make a full-time living on YouTube, then you better start, you better put out a lot of content and consistently, right? Um, like my channel's never been, it was before the apocalypse, it was looking like it was pretty good. Like when I had 30,000 subscribers, I was making about four times more money than I do right now. Or even after, like even when I try to make regular content, I'll, I've never made as much money as I did back then. And back then was like, yep, yeah, this is pretty good. Like this is getting really close to what we can, you know, what a decent living is for our family. And it's not even like, not a, not a chance, right? Like, I mean, I can't say what percentage of my overall income is, but you know, it's not like we make just enough to get by, but <clears throat> it, it's a point where I don't know. I don't know. The only thing that complicates it is sponsorships, right? So I got a Princess Auto sponsorship, which I like. Um, I don't know. It's, I don't know. We'll see how this year goes. The hard part is like, like I've said before, I don't want to just do one video a month. It's like, this is a sponsored video, you know? Like, 
kind of want to do interesting things, but um, uh, we'll see. I am building something right now for a sponsored video. Have you ever seen a hand sanding machine? Like uh, a machine that moves a knife back and forth so you can hand yeah. sand it. Yeah, I've seen one once. I forget the gentleman. is a YouTuber. Actually, it's a Russian YouTuber. <laughs> now that I think about it, so oh, we should boycott him for sure. <laughs> um, no, so it's basically what I did is I got a little furnace motor, bought it from Princess Auto, and a thirty to one or sixty to one. Anyways, a reduction, a worm gear, a little reduction gearbox, and. Then I, I bought a sprocket. You know, you can buy those sprockets where you weld on the shaft collar and stuff. I got one of those, and basically it's that thing's going to rotate. I've figured it out. I've got, I actually ran it. I didn't put a tack on it, but I fired it up yesterday, and I think I'm about one, like one revolution, one RPM. And so that would be like essentially one complete stroke if you were hand sanding like there and back. And so that, and then I've, you know, I'm going to make a little pitman arm type of thingy and then, you know, hook that up to a little sled that goes back and forth on, I'm just using drawer slides. And, uh, I also think I'm going to have to take it cause I was thinking about coming off of the wheel just with a connecting rod to the sled, but I think I need a little intermediate fulcrum point there. If you know what I mean, that's kind of yeah. hard to explain. That's what they do with trains, right? They actually convert that into more of a direct back and forth motion, right? Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah, because I, I didn't think about that. And then I was I was trying to find this guy's videos again. He's a pretty popular YouTuber, but he doesn't like talk or anything. I actually really like his videos. Um, maybe I should recommend them, see if I can find them. So if you haven't watched them, maybe you'd have something to watch. But um, that's what I'm building right now. And uh, now, once it's an automated machine, can it really be hand <laughs> No, of course not. <laughs> I don't think so. Well, technically, your hand is holding the sanding medium, so you call hand rubbed finished. <laughs> but because that's like I don't know, some people like it, and I I get it. Like, there's been the odd time where I'll you kind of get in not a trance, but. It's almost meditative, right? Like it's just a repetitive thing that you don't have to think about and you're not going to screw up generally, you know, but I hate it now because I, I do like the look of it. I like the look of a belt finish and I like the look of a nice hand sanded finish. They they both appeal to me equally. Um, some people say they low have to be hand sanded. I'm like, no, if you get a really clean belt finish, that looks pretty stellar too. Uh, maybe even better in my, I don't know, but. Looks more like a factory knife if you get a nice belt finish, but I thought that'd be kind of handy. And then what I'm going to do too is, so this sprocket that I have, I'm going to cut the teeth off. I did a file check and they're like, I was wondering if they were hardened, but they're not. Um, makes sense because they're pretty cheap, but I'm just going to spin the teeth off of my lathe and then I'm going to go out certain increments, like maybe one inch increments and have a spot where this Pitman arm can connect to. That way, if I've got a four inch blade, I could set it for a four inch stroke got a six inch blade it could be a six inch stroke you know that way i'm not you know if you had a you know a little even some of my knives are like two inch blades it'd be nice not to have like a four inch stroke you know so you kind of gotta <laughs> i also gotta remember like i'm like you're literally taking a knife and, and thrusting it back and forth with a motor <laughs> 
So you gotta make, you know, gotta kind of think about how you're gonna use it. You don't wanna. I could see potential stabbing your fingers with this thing. So, yeah, just have to do it right. Make the sled longer than, you know, so there's never a tip of a blade sticking over it, and then. I think I'd have some risers on either side that your palms sit on. So, like, I don't know. We'll see. But that's kind of what I'm farting around with right now. And then i got to get back to tiling bathrooms, but avoid that yeah, at all Yeah, if you video costs. it, just stand right in front of the knife in the video. Show the safety salaries can have a collective aneurysm. Yeah. <laughs> I had a good safety sally comment this week. Um shoot i uh, i was using the sharpener the paper wheel sharpener and a guy went off because i had a ring on and he's like he's like when i was in school 50 plus years ago they taught us the danger of rotating equipment clearly you've learned you've learned nothing of use in your entire life and I, like he was harsh on me i'm like wow i care here's the thing safety is called idiot proofing okay they do it for the dumb people in the world. See, like I can go up to a certain situation that's really dangerous and I'm like, yeah, I'm not doing that. Or very carefully move my way around it, you know. But a moron's just going to walk right into it and like, oh, man, he's you he just walked into a rotating shaft. What a moron. That The reason they have to have safety regulations is because of idiots. It's called idiot proofing. Now, there's exceptions where it's like, okay, wait a minute. We found out the chronic exposure like this and this and this can actually lead to something that. But, man, so many of the things that they have safety signs for and, like, do not put your fingers here. It's like, no kidding. Really? I was just about to put my hand under that blade. Good thing I read the sign, <laughs> you know. Ah, <laughs> it's dumb. Um, But, yeah, no, I've got a. I did a lot of blocking on my channel this week. I've got a new thing where I, I think what I should do is just not even respond to people that leave stupid comments and just, it's just like hide user from channel. Done. Like I probably, I probably did 20 people this week so far. It's just like, this comment is stupid. Or the, I think you did this wrong. You should have done this instead. It's like, you know what? I honestly don't care. If you want your opinion out there, start a YouTube channel and put it out there. But my platform is what I want it to be. And if you've, got, if you've got a dumb idea that's inferior to mine, but you want everybody to think it's better, I'm not going to give you that. You know what I mean? Like, the, I'm re kind of reclaiming my channel. It's like, sorry, morons, losers, you guys won't have a voice. You will just be blocked and every negative comment will disappear. That's kind of how it started with the whole Russia knife sharpener thing. <laughs> I haven't heard anything on what's going on over there. I haven't been like listening to the news. I've been busy with other stuff, but how's that? Have you heard much about that conflict over there? Yeah, Russia is really, uh, you know, for an invading force, they're not really giving themselves a good PR campaign, uh, you know, killing civilians. Mm. I mean, targeting clearly marked civilian uh, targets. Hmm. I heard rumors. Do you think like there's a chance that Ukraine can actually put up a resistance? I, I have no idea because there's so much disinformation regarding that. Yeah, it's true. The uh, the media, quote unquote, keeps saying, "Oh yeah, you know, 
Ukraine's this and Ukraine's that. And, but then you look at the live video feeds mm-hmm. um, of the battles and you're like, yeah, they're, they're getting their booty handed to them. Yeah. That's crazy. But then you also see the pictures of not just one, but many uh, Russian troops being armed with Mosin Nagant. Like, really? <laughs> really? Really, people? They still... Uh, <laughs> is that real for real? You see that picture? No, yeah, for real, for real. Oh, sweet. I love that gun. I got one. Yeah, but, I mean, this is 2022. <laughs> you mean Russia has to still give their some of their guys guns from 1888? I mean, come on. Yeah, yeah. That's hilarious. That's so funny. Yeah, I wonder why, like, um, you people that all, like, cancel everything Russian, it's like, you're going to give up your SKS? You're going to, you know, I guess guess a lot of people that own guns probably aren't quite as woke as people that don't own guns. And then you have Ukraine um, has called out for foreign volunteers mm-hmm. to come help them. Yeah. And they've literally had people show up that were, um, oh, I don't know, former U.S. Marines. Mm-hmm. And they've had people show up that are uh, Taliban. Really? Yeah. That's crazy. <laughs> Imagine putting them on the same team. <laughs> Yeah, that's nuts. That's crazy. You know, it's funny you're talking Although, about. Although the Taliban has beat <laughs> Russia's before, so yeah. Um, you're talking about like misinformation from the media. I just found out, and this kind of pisses me off. But CBC has just been forced to pay like 1.8 million dollars in fines in the last. I think it's just for misrepresentation, like in the last six months of stuff they've reported about. And it's like, here's the problem with the CBC. It's a, it's a federally funded news, it's state media. And so the, the taxpaying dollar goes to operate CBC, Canadian Broadcasting Corporation, the most retarded broadcasting corporation on the planet. And now Instead of just saying, okay, listen, we're going to tell the facts. Now they're idea, they're idealized, right? They've got this ideology. And now that, you know, they go so far as to tell lies and then they get found out in court and then they have to pay back individuals, private citizens from a federally funded, like, oh, that cheeses me off. At that point, I think you should be like, flip the switch. Okay. First of all, you've always cost uh, Canadians their, um, money like my tax dollars go to pay for the cbc i think you should just let people vote like you know make a private privatize it if people love it that much they will support it is npr radio in the states that's all listener supported isn't it yeah and i'm i'm fine with that i used to listen to npr depending on the the station where i was but some of them are more liberal than others but i'm like I kind of like that. We've got a thing called uh, CKUA in Alberta, and it's listener-supported radio. There's a little bit of advertising, but they have campaigns twice a year, just like Minnesota Public Radio, NPR, or uh, yeah, NPR. Um, I'm great with that because if I enjoy the service, I will vote with my dollars, right? And and then there's a certain sense where they are going to be loyal to the listeners and be like, what what do the people that are spending their money here want to hear? 
What kind of programming do we want? Because we're going to tailor it to that. The CBC answers to nobody. <laughs> you know, it's like, oh, some of the stuff they put out is so stupid, so dumb. And then, oh, yeah, yeah, sorry, we were lying stuff. We had this, we were kind of a little bit woke and we wanted to make this situation look like this, even though that wasn't true at all. And we got caught and now we got to pay $1.8 million, which is not a lot of money. I, I understand that. But it's $1.8 million because a federally funded network lied. Oh, that, that gets me going. <sighs> Anyways. <clears throat> Any, uh, have you made any progress on your, oh, I keep forgetting the name of that pew pew. No. No. What's the name of it again? Hellion. The Hellion. I, I always think Maverick. <laughs> I don't know why. The Hellion. That's cool. Um, so, you know, they've got, we've had these freedom rallies in Calgary and... They get bigger and bigger, 15,000 people, 18,000 people every Saturday. And there's some city councillors last weekend that showed up for an anti-rally protest, which was illegal. So, like, the police are working with the protesters. They shut down the route. They tell us when it's safe to start. Uh, we've been to one. I, I talk as well. I'm involved with it. I went to one because I wanted to see the kids. I want the kids to see it. But, um... Last weekend, there's about 50 people that blockaded the protest route, which is illegal because this was, you know what I mean? You're allowed peaceful protest, but you're not allowed to blockade. You're not allowed to occupy. And two of the people that were in this blockade, this illegal blockade that had to be, the police had to use force to remove them. Uh, two of them were city councilors <laughs> in Calgary. And so like the mayor's saying, you know, fully just saying these are white supremacists. Uh, just painting these really bad pictures. Um, and so, man, this week it could be, I don't know. Because the, the, the mayor, this new mayor, she, her campaign was Calgary's woke mayor. And she's, she's really pressing the uh, police chief to like, you got to shut this down. He says, I don't see why I'm being asked to shut this down. This is lawful. They are working with us they have been a hundred they've been doing this for over two years and they have not caused one problem the only time there's a problem when we actually have to make arrests is when people come to counter protest this peaceful protest and then she goes oh yeah but they're selling merchandise and food which i agree if there's somebody there was literally somebody like a few people like cooking hot dogs and trying to sell them i'm like okay dude first of all you need a permit for that second of all you really just you know you're kind of a scumbag you got a movement you're trying to cash in. It's like, go away. You know, if you want to cook them and give them, that's different. That's, that's an act of service. But don't try and cash in on this large gathering of people. Just, I don't know. Type Certain people just do that. But So, I don't know. We're like, oof. They, they, people are talking, say, like, even the organizers say, we're not sure what's going to happen. Like, we're peaceful protesters if if things are going to get heated and they're waiting to hear from the police chief and it's kind of like this dialogue and hard to say and they're worried that even if the police say up oh, go ahead do it it's fine to do it they're worried there's going to be an even bigger showing of and they call themselves anti-freedom protesters <laughs> you can't get much more woke than that can you <laughs> i'm an anti-freedom protester how dare you? Yeah. 
Oh, wow. Crazy world, hey, Todd? Uh, yes, it is very crazy, very crazy indeed. Cray, um, cray. It insane. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> now, what she should have, her, her response to that police chief should have been, and it makes more sense than what she's actually saying. <clears throat> so you're telling me they've been doing this for two years. Yes. Well, then, if the government hasn't listened to them by this point, there's no need to do any more now, is there? Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, I know, hey. Uh, yep. Fun, fun. Do you... Uh, if the Fuhrer... I mean, Prime Minister hasn't listened <laughs> to this point. <laughs> That's right. That's funny. <clears throat> I, I saw this video, very interesting, talking about the World Economic Forum and Klaus Schwab and was it the Young Leaders program you had? Have you heard all about that stuff? Looked into it? No. <clears throat> um, so... so some of the people that have taken the, uh, they call it the Young Minds Development Program. It's like a two-year indoctrination into what the World Economic Forum is all about. Like, you know, the global, the Great Reset and all this stuff. Uh, it's also interestingly funded by the Bill Melinda Gates Foundation. Um, Mark Zuckerberg has gone through that program. Justin Trudeau has gone through the program. Uh, a few other people. And it's like actually like training they send them through. And if you if you look at you look at uh, Klaus Schwab, his right hand command, I forget his name's Dr. Something something. But their agenda, what they want to do is absolutely terrifying. Like, oh man, it's crazy. But yeah, I mean I should send you a link, maybe. To, to this video I've seen, I've seen something that I don't know. I don't even know how they let it. There's a lot of stuff on YouTube. Um, it surprises me it's still there. I'm like, wow, that, that's interesting. Uh, did you guys, uh, you guys uh, didn't cook any Irish food for supper last night? Uh, no. No. I actually didn't even eat supper last night. Oh, man, that's no good. Um. No, Steph tried to make a traditional Irish meal like we had corned beef and cabbage, but she did the cabbage like in the oven with like bacon. Oh, my word, it was delicious. And then Irish potatoes. I guess it's kind of a certain way. It's like not fully a mashed potato, but it's very similar. And then usually you put kale in it or spinach. I don't know, but, man, it was such a good meal. Like I, I thought, oh, corned beef and cabbage. <laughs> I was like... This is a meal we're doing for the kids so they could just, oh, let's give them a little taste of culture. And I was not looking forward to it. And neither was Steph. She's like, oh, we're going to have to choke this one down. <laughs> but it was actually so good. It's like I would actually make this like throughout the year. It's pretty tasty. Why didn't you eat last night? I just wasn't hungry. Uh, <clears throat> gotcha, gotcha. This, um... New medicine they got me on is just got me all blah. Oh, really? That's too bad. That's the bad thing about this Wilson's disease. Now, there's three medications for Wilson's disease. There's the primary, right? Then there's an alternate. And then there's an alternate to the alternate. Hmm. 
at, at worst, Wilson's disease will ruin your liver and make you get a liver transplant. At worst, right? Yeah. Primary medication against Wilson's disease. These are common side effects, not far-reaching side of common side effects. Yeah. Memory loss. Oh wow. Uh, not just stopping your body's uh, ability to produce bone marrow, but destroying the bone marrow you already have. Oh wow. And then about three or four other ones just as bad. And then the secondary medication is has all the side effects as the first one, except the bone marrow hmm. issue. Then there's a third one that um, doesn't have as good of uh, or as bad a uh, side effects, but it doesn't uh, help nearly as good as the other two with the Wilson disease. So I'm like, I'm not taking anything for Wilson's. Yeah, no kidding, hey? That's crazy. Yeah, it's it's amazing, like, I don't know. I don't know, like, sometimes I wonder, you know, you see the commercials on TV, like, try something, something for something, something. And it's like, side effects may include, uh, you know, severe vomiting and diarrhea and internal bleeding and blah, 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 blah. I'm like, how, are they trying hard enough? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, okay, so you found something that fixed this, but it created this plethora of problems. It's like... Maybe maybe you should just say we haven't found the answer yet. I don't know. I don't know. It's so weird. And then that always makes a case for natural medicine if it can have some effectiveness, you know, like, I don't know. <clears throat> Hard to say. Hard to say. Yeah. Listen to a, a Joe Rogan podcast. I don't know. I'm not like, I don't, I listen to his like maybe once every two weeks, but this one looked interesting. And it is this people, uh, two nutritionists wrote a book called The Sacred Cow. And it is interesting. Uh, you know, right, they're trying to make red meat enemy number one right now and link it to all kinds of health problems. Again. Yeah. And really, and then uh, same thing, they're going with the, uh, environmental side big time right like every burger has like six bathtubs uh full worth of water to produce it <laughs> and the thing they don't tell you is that bathtub of water is rain that fell onto a field and it's water that was inside of grass that otherwise would go unused you know but they actually break it down they look at it and surprisingly one of the most sustainable foods that we can produce is beef and it's uh it's actually a really it was a really interesting podcast i kind of want to they've got a movie called the sacred cow uh, i think they said it's not on netflix netflix wouldn't touch it but i think on amazon but we'd look for it we can't get it in canada here which is sucks but i might i might get that book it sounds really interesting and like i guess new york city school division they just announced they're having like so there's a meatless Monday and like a vegetarian Friday that they don't serve meat in their schools. And, you know, they're talking about the percentage of kids in New York City school system that are considered to be underprivileged. And it's huge. And, you know, when you look at nutritionally, meat is one of the best things for your body as far as the, the nutrients it can uptake, 
the ease of digesting the proteins and, and stuff like this. And, and then they kind of talk with the complications of if you wanted to go to a vegan diet, what, you know, in order to maintain what today's considered standard nutrient, you know, a good nu- balanced nutritional plan, you know, some of the, the struggles and the intensity that you have to monitor that vegan diet with, as opposed to just eating meat, you know, it's kind of crazy. It was an interesting podcast. We uh, weren't meant to eat just meat or just veggie. We were no. meant to be an omnivore. Yeah, I agree. Um, so. Whatever. Yep. You know, Jordan Peterson, you know who he is? Yes. He's on a he's only meat diet. <laughs> but he doesn't look like the healthiest dude in the world to me. No, and the thing is, you look at the these um hardcore vegans and the hardcore um paleo meat only weirdos, none of them look healthy. No, no, they don't. <laughs> it's true. I mean, and if you take the the fakeness out of the issue. Um, and I, I have, I mean nothing about his COVID scandal at all. Who's Just that? Regular, ordinary, everyday Joe Rogan. He oh, doesn't yeah. look that healthy. No, he kind of doesn't. He, he looks weird. I, I think it's. He's got that ashy look around his eyes. Yeah. Sick people get. I think that's from all the drugs he does. Like he smokes a lot of pot and does a lot of mushrooms. And I, I don't know, like people talk about psychedelics, like, oh yeah, yeah. And I'm like, I don't know, man. I don't know. It's a chemical that affects your brain. So it makes you nervous. I don't know. Who knows? But yeah, I know we've, uh, we started watching the kids. Oh, obviously had never seen fear factor. And so it's on, I forget which one of the streaming services, but they've got all the seasons. So we've started watching it season one, episode one, and I never watched it. So that show came out in 2001, I think. And that's the year Steph and I got married and I, we didn't watch it. Like I know guys at work would talk about fear Factor. you watch what they did at fear factor. And I couldn't really care less. I was just riding my motorbikes, but, um, yeah, we started watching it with the kids and, uh, yeah, Joe Rogan was sure young in that show. Yeah. It's funny. Kind of looks like a good, well, back in the day, you remember like the 2000s, you know, like a black leather coat was like the stylish thing, not like a bomber jacket, just kind of flat paneled. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, he's wearing those and they look, he looks really short in that show because, because it is kind of the style. Like you get the, the sleeves that kind of come down almost to your thumb and he looks like such a goof in that show. I'm like, wow. But. It's a fun part about watching. It's it's a different format. It's not the sixteen by nine. It's that more square crop that TVs used to be before HD. And then the fashion that these people have, I was like, oh, I remember owning pants just like that, <laughs> like the super wide leg jeans. And oh, it was funny. It's kind of funny to watch that show. Some of the stuff they do is kind of disgusting, though. Uh, yeah. I could, I, could you eat all the? I could eat the bugs. That doesn't bother me. But the things like, uh, like the testicles and stuff like that. That oh man, I don't know. Well, the show that got him canceled, um, I yeah. couldn't do that. No, me neither. <laughs> we shouldn't even say because it's so disgusting. But 
Um, yeah. I think there's certain times like I can turn like I've I've eaten a lot of bugs. Um, you know, Darren's kids. I've eaten worms. Um, ants. I could eat them all day long. I've eaten a beetle. And then when we were in like in Venezuela, my dad and I went to Brazil, just barely into Brazil in the Amazon rainforest to this tribe. And one of the things they cook, what are they? There's some type of a, oh, what's that thing that goes into wood? Termite. They take these termites and they, they kind of put them on these rocks and they, so they, they kind of toast them. They take these rocks in the fire and they take them out and they put these termites and smack them around a little. They're actually really good. Like it's like their version of popcorn, I guess, but. I've eaten monkey brain. I can eat a lot of gross. The eating stuff is not that big. I can just flick it off. So like, okay. I don't, I don't know. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I could eat anything. Unless just the thought of it, like, is just like, oh, that's absolutely, no, not a chance, you know. But No, I couldn't eat anything. When I was younger, I could, but no. 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 <laughs> You didn't work your way up the food chain to eat that crap, did you? <laughs> yeah. uh, no. mm. Like when I was out in Montana, you know, people were like, oh, you got to have Rocky Mountain oysters. No, I don't. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, uh, I think I had them. Prairie oysters, they called them. We did, uh, there's a, one of Steph's cousins, they like multi-generational farmers and they still, they just keep buying more land. They keep farming. Their sons take over. They're a really nice family, really successful. But um, they'll do a certain, I think they'll do about 30 to 40 head of their calves traditionally. So, and not rope them. There's people around here that will actually get the horses and actually do the roping, but they bring them into a pen. They'll bring like 10 calves at a time. You wrestle them by hand. So one guy grabs the front, flips them. One guy grabs the back leg holds them and then one guy goes in with a scalpel and cuts them out and then they brand them and hoard them and put whatever medications they're going to put in steroids whatever the heck they put in um and so we used to go every year branding they called it and uh it was kind of fun and then afterwards they'd save all the all the prairie oysters and cook them up and fry them in some little garlic butter mm, tasty stuff oh no <laughs> yeah man yeah and when they do, it's usually really hot. Man, some of those guys can go through beer like you and like there's just boxes, like twenty four packs, twenty all over over the place. And uh, I guarantee some guys have fifteen beers during that session of branding. I mean, it's just like Coors Light, you know, whatever. But you're just sweating so much, and it's such hard work, and you're in the dirt, and I'm oh man, it's intense. It was a lot of fun though. It's a little hairy though when guys run around. He's got a scalpel in his teeth and. You get a bigger calf and trying to wrestle that, and you're right beside him, and <laughs> you kind of both are getting bucked around. And it's like, dude, you, you almost stabbed me three times in the arm with that scalpel, <laughs> you know? But face it the other way in your mouth. But <clears throat> fun stuff. They uh, filmed, uh, they were filming an episode of The Walking Dead, like three miles from our house. And so it was supposed to happen last week, but we had this crazy, like super, super windy, like flurries. And, uh, so they've did it. Was it Tuesday, Wednesday this week? They shut down a section of the highway, like a two mile section. So, uh, the, the detour was right at the end of our road. And so normally it's a super quiet, like 
five vehicles drive by a day. That's it, right? And um, all of a sudden, the traffic's like, I'm like, what the heck? In like an hour, there's been 10 vehicles drive by. It's because people take the wrong turn on the detour and come down our road instead of the just going straight. But you can look out there and it's just semi-truck, 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 semi-truck because it's a pretty busy trucking route. But I thought, I wonder how much they have to rent, like pay to shut down two miles of a highway, of a busy transport highway to film <laughs> Walking Dead, you know? Yeah, I've, <clears throat> I've seen and been on a movie set before and eh. Unless you're yeah. going to pay me $40 million to be in the movie. Yeah. It doesn't really do anything for me. No. I was like wanted... meeting somebody famous. doesn't do anything for me. No, I agree. I know, right? It's like, cool. I'd rather just watch. I'd rather just watch them in a really good movie, you know? That's the that's the why you appreciate them, is for the role they play or the character that they became. It's you almost know. like I don't follow them for their opinion on anything. I follow yeah. them because they make entertaining <laughs> movies. Exactly. Yeah, that's <clears throat> true. Yeah, we did. Uh, when I was young, like twenty two, no twenty one, I worked on the set of Seventh Heaven. And uh, I always thought, man, that would be the dream job is to be one of those studio hands. <laughs> oh, man, they have a posh. They can, you know, your position at, at a studio in Hollywood, you can actually will it to to people and they have first dibs at it because it's so hard to get into those unions. They make so much money. Like, I think back in the day, the, the lowest paid guy was getting like 57 bucks an hour. And all meals looked after, and they'd work about two hours a day, literally, like not even joking. Like when they got to adjust the set, okay, we got to move this wall, boom, they're busy. The rest of the time, they've just got couches everywhere. They've got pool tables. They've got foosball, televisions. It's just this big, huge living room where everybody sits around, and then like, okay, guys, got to move this wall. Let's go. And then everybody just gets up and goes and does the work, and then, okay, we're done now. And they get paid eight hours a day just to be there. It's a, It's incredible. I thought, well, not a very uh, rewarding job, but a pretty, pretty posh job. You know, you have to have some pretty good hobbies. Yeah, that's true. Hey, and that was even before the days of YouTube. I think. No, YouTube was around then. I think, just starting up, maybe. Um, because I remember I had a YouTube channel before YouTube was sold to Google, whenever that was. But oh, well, what else is exciting there, Todd? You know, nothing. Not a whole lot. Just, I, you know, didn't do anything this week and except had company and couldn't move around much. And <clears throat> Where's your company from? Texas, San Antonio. Oh, I love San Antonio. Um, there's a girl that, uh, Danette knew what her, <clears throat> when we were stationed in Tampa 25 years ago. Hmm. 
Right on. And her and her 23-year-old son came to visit along with her daughter, who's nine years old, uh, and a niece and a nephew that she's kind of pseudo-adopted or is fostering. Some weird thing. I don't know. It's a weird dynamic. You had a house full then. Yeah. Oh, wow. Kind of exhausting. The kids were exhausting. One of them. <laughs> I like the ugh, he had it at the end of it. That's funny. You know, I like kids, but they're like adults. You know, you will find one that you just can't stand. Yeah. And I think they're getting worse. Ugh. Um, I'm lucky if I find one adult I like. I hear you. You know, when you're young and you make friends, every person's got something you like, something you don't like, and you just learn to either ignore or look past what you don't like. I can't do that at my age. Yeah. I know. I hear you. Um, it's funny because like the kids are starting to, you know, make some friends at youth group and stuff like that, and then there's been the odd time when we're like drop them off and so we've got an extra kid in the vehicle oh my word oh my word it's that some of these kids have some pretty you know they came from really rough backgrounds and they've been adopted and stuff but oh man you're driving it's like just singing constantly singing it's like uh can you turn the radio on otherwise i'm gonna keep singing and so i turn the radio on and then we listen to it for like 30 seconds and then she starts singing a different song and i'm like oh my <laughs> Told him, oh, I was just like, you don't know, no, like, I can't, I don't know, nobody listens to this, but man, like, can't do that again. Like, I can't, I'm like, sorry, we, we can't, we can't give this person a ride again because I, I just can't handle it. Like, I've never been that annoyed in the last 10 years and it's more than I ever want to go through again. <laughs> it was only 15 minute car ride, you know? <laughs> oh go home and hit the boxing bag <laughs> like ah, i gotta get some gotta get some frazzle out of me ay 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 well guess what Todd I found a really good deal on a surly moonlander and I'm not gonna buy it well you're not gonna buy it yet I don't think I think and you know I already have a moonlander <laughs> Uh, that didn't stop me with a cross check. I got two cross checks, but I'm like, you know what? For the amount I actually ride the Moonlander, I don't need a second one. But it's a hot deal, man. It's a really good deal. <clears throat> Starting to notice some folks, um, I don't know, liquidating. Uh, cost of living is just retarded going up right now. Um, they expect us by the end of the year to be $4 a liter, which is, I think, like, I think it works out to somewhere between 50 and 20 bucks a gallon for gasoline. Like, holy chingus, you know, wages aren't going to match that. No, and inexplicably, and I haven't looked up why, and I don't care, um, but our gas went down 10 cents yesterday. Really? It's been steadily climbing. Yeah. Every day, every day, sometimes multiple times a day. And then yesterday, inexplicably, it went down 10 cents. I'm like, yeah, ours did why. that too. Ours did that too. 
just took a little drop down. Like, oh, wow, it used to be, what was it always, 176 or 167? Now it's like 159. I'm like, what? It's all together. I mean, our markets are very tied together. You know, what gas prices do in the States, it's probably going to be the same thing it does in Canada, you know. Um, and then the federal government is imposing a 13 cents per liter carbon tax on April 1st. And so like Alberta, they're like, you know, this is getting ridiculous. If they don't cancel or push that back. No, but they're, Alberta. They're probably looking at protest that would make the truckers look like, you know, two old ladies in a wheelchair. Yeah. Um, and the province, like Alberta has a carbon tax, but they're getting rid of it on April 1st to offset the federal one. They said 13 cents a liter is a lot, right? Which, yeah, it is. But um, like my truck, my Chevy, uh, three-quarter ton, heavy-duty, four-by-four. It's an older one. It's a 2004. I bet, like, I think it would cost me around $200 to fill it up. Like, I think it's over a 100-liter tank. It's a big old tank. Um, but man, unreal, unreal. And it's, you know, like we, we tell our kids, like we're very fortunate, you know, we work hard and God's been good to us, but there's a lot of families that, okay, you know, their, their big trip was going camping or a road trip somewhere. Well, it's going to cost twice as much in fuel as it would have last summer. And that could be a make or break deal for people, right? Like it's, it's unbelievable. And it's, it's the working middle class that gets squeezed, you know, the poor are poor and, and it's harder for them too. But the people that are affected the most are the people that's like, oh yeah, you know what? I got a good job or now, you know, both parents work, uh, but we can do, you know, we can go on a ski trip in the winter and we can go on a little holiday in the summer, a little vacation on the summer. But man, they're putting the squeeze and then the, you know, the rich people, it doesn't bother them. It's like, so cool. Carbon tax them, <laughs> you know? Carbon tax, schmarbon tax, I don't care. That's crazy. There's electric vehicles that's going to solve the world's problems. <laughs> oh, fun, fun, fun. <clears throat> I always, uh, I always thought it'd be good for something like this to happen because then people would ride their bicycles more, you know. But you can't just do that because you need the infrastructure. Like you need a, a culture to be set up for bicycle transportation. And very few places in North America are. I know they try and they put bike lanes and they try to be green. And I guess if you live in an urban environment, you know, that's more feasible. But I always used to think it was a bigger solution than I think it actually is. Yeah, it, it no. It's all it is is a bigger bigger opportunity for bike thieves. Yeah, you know, like I I've read books about it and stuff, and like talking about different places, like in Finland and and you know Denmark, the Netherlands, um, and they've built their cities around the bicycle for years and years, you know. Even like Denmark, even the rural places, they've got bike lanes and they've got like pathways like through fields to, to connect towns and stuff like that. And it's amazing, but everybody actually just does it. And I think people here, I don't know, 
I don't know if they're, I don't want to say lazy because I, I think general human nature is human nature, but I don't know. It's weird. Oh, it's such a deeply ingrained part of their society now. Yeah. It's cultural. It's just ride a bike, you yeah. know? And I forgot what country it is, but there's some places, you know, biking is really, really big. Almost everybody does it. And none of them have to lock up their bikes. But, you know, otherwise, you know, they'll stab you for a stick of gum. Mm. But they're not going to steal a bike to save their life. I'm like, wow, that's just weird. Mm-hmm. And the bikes are different, too. Like, purely practically designed. You know, they got the step-through frames, a basket on the front, very upright seating position. Yes, everyone dri- rides a girl's bike. Yeah, pretty much. And then here, you know, biking is still a recreational thing. So it's like, yeah, I'm going to spend money on a really nice light frame. It's going to have good components on it, some suspension. Yeah, it's worth stealing to a thief, right? I think that a lot of the bikes over there, <laughs> you know, what are you going to get? Pretty much nothing for them. Every bike's just a bike, you know. But whatever. Man, the geese are flying back. The Canadian honkers are out there like crazy. We had, uh, oh, I rode my motorcycle. Speaking of two-wheel transport, I rode my motorbike to Calgary for the first time yesterday. Delivered, uh, I have 15 packages on the back. And I actually got some bugs on my visor. Wow. Yeah. Spring is coming. That's the one nice thing with this weather is it's cool. Just dress for it, but there's way less bugs. Normally go to the city. Like I carry a lens cleaning bottle and a little microfiber cloth because if you ride for half an hour, an hour, next time you stop, you pretty much need to clean your visor because it's just littered with bugs. Yeah. It just becomes a giant blood and wing mat. Yeah. <laughs> you, know? you hang it in the garage and you go outside in the garage like <laughs> Somebody left a steak rotting out here. <laughs> oh no, it's just all the bugs on my riding gear. Ugh, it's gross. Yep. Nasty. Wow, so I sent you a video of a, of a motorcycle this week. Yes, that dude was just lucky and skilled all at the same time. Yeah, yeah. Unless he practiced it, I don't know. I you can tell. At least I think I can tell. I don't think he meant to do that rear wheel. I don't think so, because I've, I've seen guys do that before, but he put his Just foot the down. whole premise behind the, the reel I was watching was, you know, things that could have been an accident but weren't. Oh, okay, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I know. Those, some of those guys are insanely good, hey? Oh, man. Yeah, um, but they need to keep it off public roads. Yeah, they do. Yeah. Um, I actually rode with a guy in Vegas. Like, I was working in Vegas, had my bike in Vegas, and a lot of crotch rockets in Vegas. And this, like, my parents used to have a house there, and it was as far from the strip as you could get while still being in the limits. Like, they were building a ring road around Vegas at the time, and they were, like, right at the edge of it. And so you get onto this ring road, you'd have to wait for these lights, but, you know, once you go, you can just rip. And uh, one day I came up with these two guys, two crotch rockets. I was talking to them. We are waiting for the light. And then, uh, like, oh, yeah, they're doing wheelies, doing stunts and all this stuff. 
is fun. So, you know, the light turns and all three of us go on doing wheelies. And they were a lot better than I was. And then a couple weeks later, I saw the other guy. I said, hey, where's your buddy? He's like, he died. I'm like, what do you mean? He goes, he hit a light pole <laughs> doing a wheelie. <laughs> oh, like, that's why you should not be doing it on public roads. It's really not that safe. I'm like, are you kidding? It's like, oh, yeah, man, pretty, pretty serious. And I was like, holy crap. I said, well, you got, you know, I was like, going to tone it down? He goes, no, I don't think so. I'm going to honor him with my wheelies. <laughs> I'm like, dude, you know, I don't know if he was with him. I didn't ask him that, but the guy that I talked to, I met once in my life, we did wheelies together and his life came to an end because he wheelied into a light pole. And that was when I was kind of like, oh man, maybe I should tone it down a little bit. It took a little after that. I had to go in the hospital a few more times, but eventually I did tone it down. But man... You know, and there's there's places you can go to do that. You know, like like most cities somewhere around them have some form of a racetrack. And a lot of times, like on the drag strip, they'll have, if you look into it or even you can organize it yourself, be like, can we just do a practice wheelie night where people practice doing wheelies? And they do that, right? Yeah. And you can learn the skill and yada, yada. And once you, the, the thing with a wheelie is, once you figure it out, it's generally, the dangerous part is learning it, obviously. But once you do it, like my best wheel, I did a 17-kilometer wheelie was my record. But even after that, I crashed doing a wheelie once. <laughs> you know, it's like, there's no guarantee, man. A gust of wind comes up or something changes, even some weird vibration happens on your bike. I, I don't know. It's, you know, motorbikes are daring and risky enough as it is. You know, cars have twice as many wheels, so they're actually safer. You know, um, you take away a wheel from a motorbike and man. <laughs> and the strangest thing could happen to a motorbike anyway, doing a wheelie, because they're not engineered to do that. No. No, they're not. So, you know, a defect in the tire, you know, because I've seen a really bad accident. Because a tire blew out. It was brand new. Hmm. Brand new. And uh, it blew. And uh, still not sure the physics of how what what happened happened. But you know, it wound up uh, just driving the guy into the pavement like a nail. Wow. Head first. Hmm. But. That's yeah. crazy. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's uh, it's fun, and I definitely understand the draw. But man, you pay the price. Like, I, I rode off my motorbike three times. The third time, I didn't put it back together. First two times, new parts, new engine cases, put it back together. Very first time, I even ordered all new plastics for it, which was retarded. I put the plastics on. I think three days later, I put it down <laughs> and wrecked them. I'm like, that was stupid. After that, I thought I'm gonna have a little street fighter slash rat bike. And uh, that was my wheelie machine, but yep, you're going to pay, you got to pay for that eventually. If you're lucky, you only pay tickets. If you're unlucky, you pay with hospital visits. And I was always unlucky. I never let the cops catch me. You know, I had all my lights on my motorbike wired to a common ground. I redid everything. So when I was doing wheelies at night, even the daytime, but you know, sometimes you see a guy doing a wheelie and his headlights are just blasting straight up into the sky and there could be a cop three streets over. And if he sees that and hears a crotch rocket, oh, doing a wheelie, you know, 
tail sign he's coming to get you but you flick your one switch off master ground you've got zero lights whatsoever on your motorbike you can wheelie all night long and they have no clue where you are <laughs> you see them every other street trying to find you and you're just it's a cat and mouse game and you always win that's fun I had a buddy actually mounted a light underneath his rear swing arm and set it up so that when he was wheeling, it would shine on the highway like a headlight <laughs> so he could see where he was going. <laughs> he could wheelie for a long time, man. Oh, he could wheelie. Like I was a legend. But yeah, not anymore. I I've seen videos and people say like the DR650 is like a wheelie beast. They say they don't know what it is, but it is the bike loves to be wheelied and it's so easy to wheelie. And I made a commitment to myself. I said, I will not do a wheelie on my motorbike because that's, I, you know, if, if I do it and I can, I'm sure I still could, but I just will never stop. And I'll, I'll do it at the wrong time. And next thing you know, you know, uh, you only get lucky so many times. <laughs> After a while of doing dumb stuff, it's going to start getting more serious. And even if I did fall off now, uh, you know, you get older, everything just breaks. You don't bounce like you used to. No, you don't. Yeah. It's like snowboarding. It's like, oh, I don't remember it ever hurting that bad. But. No, when I was 16, I fell off a house, got up, and went back up the ladder. <laughs> and, you know, now I step out of the shower, and I have no lip to step over. And I my back goes out. You're like, really? Yeah, yeah. Yep. You know, they say, enjoy the glory of your youth while you're young. And then right behind that, they say, never mind. You'll never understand the glory of your youth till you're old. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, just there are some people, I want to live just long enough to tell them I told you so. Yeah, that's right. No kidding. Right before I push them down the stairs in their wheelchair. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yep. Oh, yeah. Any plans for the weekend? No. Nothing. Uh, nothing. I had plans, but, no, you know, can't do them now. No, no. Any uh, barbecue things coming up? Any uh, meals that are noteworthy you got planned? I'd like to make uh, homemade pizza tonight, but, yeah, that ain't happening. Oh no! Yeah, that would be good. Yeah, we um, slowly getting better at our little uni pizza oven thing. I listened to a podcast this week. Uh, the art of manliness. Yeah, with Brett McKay, and uh, the only reason I don't listen to all of them, but I saw this one: how to make the perfect pizza at home. I thought, ah, that's worth listening to. It's cool. This one guy he wrote a book. He's owned a pizzeria for like 20 years or something, I don't know, in New Jersey. And uh, he wrote a book like cooking a great pizza at home or whatever. I don't know, but it's kind of interesting. And he, you know, he says he was so frustrated because he'd take the dough from his pizzeria. He's got two wood fired ovens in his, his restaurant and he'd always take the dough home and try and make it at home in his oven. And it wouldn't work. And he's like, I know the temperature thing and then this and then that. And so he tried to figure out ways to get the same quality of pizza in like a home oven and so that's kind of why he wrote this little book and i'm not sure i haven't looked at the book i don't, I don't know how long of a conversation that could be <laughs> imagine it's not the biggest book in the world but it'd be kind of cool 
interesting to hear him talk about the pizza pie. Yeah, see, before somebody starts writing books and getting on the old interwebs talking about how to do something, you know, especially pizza, I've got to taste your pizza first. Yeah. Because I've been in a lot of pizzerias and a lot of places and had a lot of bad ones. Yeah. And the the one thing he says, those pizza is 100% subjective. There's no, per- like, he's won a lot of awards, right? And he was like, do you have the best pizza? He goes, no. He says, I make the best tasting pizza that I like. But he said, there's people that come into my restaurant and will not like my pizza. And I've gone to some some more famous pizza chefs or that are that'll make a pizza. I'm like, nah, I, I don't like this. He said, it's such a subjective thing. And it's kind of true. Like he said, there's certain things that you can have in a lasagna. And a lasagna is a lasagna. Yeah, it might be a little bit wet or a little bit more dry, but it doesn't change that much. So, you know, what is deep dish pizza pizza to those people, you know, and he said the pizza varies so much that you can't define this is the best pizza. He said that's an impossibility. And I kind of agree with that because pizza can be so different. You can have such a thin crust. You can have a thick crust. You can have, you know, very little toppings just perfectly executed. Or you can have those pizzas that are like half an inch thick of cheese pepperoni layered together. <laughs> you know, I've had all kinds of those, right? And some of them tasted good. Yeah. And like I've had deep dish pizza or like Chicago style pizza, at like Geno's. Awesome. Mm-hmm. You go to another place in Chicago, have Chicago deep dish pizza, and it's horrible. And you're like, really? Yeah. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Um,. It's kind of cool though. Like he talks, his favorite is just a classic margarita, and um, it's interesting. Like he believes that most people overdo it with the sauce, and he says my sauce is just tomatoes. He says if you, but you got to taste the tomatoes, and so he says what I he writes about it in this book. He said if you want to make a good classic pizza, said go to the grocery store and buy every different brand of crushed tomatoes you can find, and he says take the labels off, but write on the bottom which they were. And spin them around, mix them all up, you know, so you have no clue what you're tasting and, and just label them one, two, three, four, five, whatever, and do a blind taste test and see what you like the best, you know, and he gives you what you're looking for in the, in the tomato. And he says, and buy that one. He said, you'd sometimes you'd be surprised if it's like a generic brand is like these taste the best. But he said, also remember that last year's crop wasn't going to be the same as this year's crop. So that brand might taste different. He said, you always got to be tasting your ingredients. And, uh. So I'm like, okay, so if this guy is speaking to that level of homemade pizza, you know, he said, whatever you do, don't buy a jar. He said, you don't buy a jar. He said, don't, he says, get a good tomato and let it be its own person. You know, he says, don't, don't defile it with spices and seasonings. He says, you don't need that stuff. You just don't need any of that. He said, if you want some fresh basil, that comes at the end, you know, but I just, the way he talks about it is kind of interesting. But, um. Yeah, I think the crust is probably the biggest kicker in my opinion. Because if you have an amazing crust, like if you get the recipe right and you make like four different types of pizza, it's that crust that's just like, oh man, you know, you got the big bubbles on the outside and the the bottom's like not burnt, but it it's, you know, it's not droopy. It's I don't right like, there at it. What's that? Not burnt. Yeah. I do not like droopy pizza, man. I hate the droopy pizza. That's always you take out pizzas. Always droopy. You got the little corrugated cardboard on the bottom so it can absorb some of the oil. 
you pick up that sucker and it's just yeah yeah if we should have pizza too pizza friday mm. which i think is a a good thing pizza friday yeah it's yeah we haven't i don't know it's an on-off tradition We'll do it like for six months and then we won't do it for three months and we'll do it for six months and I don't know, gotta get back into it. I think we had pizza last Friday, I think. Now I will say this. I'm not a big fan of like chain pizza, takeout pizza, but <clears throat> Pizza Hut has this new thing, their spicy pizza. Mm-hmm. It's spicy pepperoni on spicy sauce. Oh my god, it's good. Is it? Yeah. Well, I mean for what it is, it's good. Yeah, yeah, I gotta. You know, Steph doesn't like Pizza Hut, but I think she's had some bad experiences because I've. That's what I always had when I was a kid. That was always my favorite. See, and I I liked going to Pizza Hut and eating there, and I like if you're gonna take out or get it delivered, Domino's. But yeah. that was then, and that was there. You know, <clears throat> the problem I found is nowadays the, I might say the last fifteen years. <clears throat> Nothing is consistent um, geographically anymore mm-hmm. with those chains. Yeah. I know. And it, it, it depends on ownership. Like there was a, there's a small chain that was like, what's it called? Canadian Pizza Unlimited. And there's a guy that ran it for years and years in Strathmore. And it was the best pizza. And then one guy that had been working with him for five years bought it, took over the business, bought it. And the next pizza we ordered... I was like, oh, looks like I'm done with this place. And uh, he says, yeah, I got a new recipe for the crust. This is something I've always wanted, and I'm really proud of it. And I'm like, oh, you ruined this pizza, man. Like, it was terrible. And you get that, right? Like, And, you know, Domino's in Strathmore used to be garbage. And then some people brought us some. Like, Foster won this little contest, and that was like, free pizza delivered to your house and so they brought us dominoes we hadn't had it for five years i'm like this is actually really good pizza like something changed because you know we tried it four or five times and we're never impressed with it so we're, we're done but now all of a sudden i got this one I'm like this is really good it's kind of hard they fluctuate sometimes you know yeah but the pizza i used to love eating there because they had the oh uh, the salad bar in the middle i don't know if they do that anymore I think I think Wuhan sniffles ruined that stuff, but yeah, I used to go to the lot when I was a kid. Pizza Hut. I'm trying to find if they have this. Uh... Come on, don't. Come on. I hate it when you have to try and sign in or give them your location before they let you do anything on their website. Yeah. Pizzas. There we go. Can't see any menu until you. Yeah. Uh, circumvent there. Good. Uh, I don't see spicy pizza. Mm. We got this place. It's just an independent restaurant called Smiley's. <laughs> it's kind of a dumb name. Uh, but their pizzas are kind of like the deep dish style, like super thick toppings. I mean, oh, I can't imagine how unhealthy this pizza is, but it is so good. Like, I'm not joking. Sometimes you have a full half inch thick. Like if you got a pepperoni, they'll put down some cheese, some pepperoni, cheese, pepperoni, cheese, and it is the pizzas that, including the crust, like an inch, an inch thick. 
It's one of those types of pizzas, and it probably weighs a pound per slice. Oh, yeah, it's, it's good. So you good. know, it's good. It is good, yeah. But man, I'm like, there's a heart attack <laughs> right there. Oh, now I want pizza for breakfast, Todd. Not a bad thing. No, it's not. Do you heat yours up when you have leftovers the next day, or do you eat it cold? It depends on where it's from. Generally, yeah. not. Yeah. No, it doesn't make But a like a deep dish, yeah, I have to. Yeah, yeah. That's too much um, cold pepperoni fat. Yeah, and the oils and all that stuff. <laughs> yeah. That's true. feel like you somebody has shellacked your mouth. You're like, <laughs> ah. I know. At least when it's hot, it uh, you know, your saliva kind of rinses it away a little bit better. <laughs> Instead of Vaseline. <laughs> Nasty. That's funny. Oh, yeah. Well, is that it? You doing a pizza this weekend then? I think I am. Okay. Let's do it. Well, I, I talk tough like that, but I'm pretty sure I can. <laughs> I could. Uh, make, <laughs> I'll do it too. And it's like, can we have pizza, honey? No. <laughs> I don't know if Steph has uh, meals planned already or not, but if not, I'll do a pizza. Sounds like a plan and a half. Yep. Right on. Well, any other pressing issues of the world we need to solve before you end the show here? Yeah, not before next week. Yeah. We'll wait for some more issues and we'll figure out the solutions. Absolutely. And share it with this wonderful listening audience of nine. <laughs> yeah, well, thanks, Todd. It was good. Great chatting with you again. It's kind of fun to have some low-key ones too, hey? Yeah, I love it. Yeah. The smattering. As I'm sure the listeners can tell, both of you and I are pretty chill state of being at, you know, this week. It's kind of like, mm, yeah. Hey, uh, you know, it happens. Yep. That's right. That's right. There's too much heavy stuff going on. My God. You got to keep it light and airy sometimes. Yep. That's true. It's like a good pizza crust. Sure. Right on. Well, thanks everybody for listening, and we'll see you on the next one. See y'all next week.